0: Welcome to The Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. (laughs) I think when you find a team with no ego and bucket loads of humility and where your goal is together to get somewhere, and you can put that in front of everybody's personal needs to feel good or look good or look tough or whatever, you actually just give your whole self to the team. And as a team, you put all of your energy in one bucket and you share it out. Okay.
1: Okay. You people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He said we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you.
0: Thanks a lot.
1: Welcome to the Dark Zone Adventure Podcast. This is your host Brian Gatens. For today's episode, we are joined by the Mountain Designs Wild Women team, fresh off their win at the Legends Expedition Race, put on by guest of the podcast Chris Dixon. The team consisted of Kim Beckinsale, who was the team captain, Alina McMaster, Cass Kimlin, and Dell Lloyd. Dell was great about getting this episode up and running, and we are very very grateful to Dell for her work in making it happen. We go deep into their experience as an all-female team here, their joy and hard work in winning the race, the challenges on the course, including a lot of mud. They do a really nice job breaking down the race, and we're very happy to have them on the show. I also want to point out they are a super experienced team. Uh, Between the four of them, they have 78 years of adventure racing experience. And so, For those of you who are newer to adventure racing, those who are students of the sport, you want to build your understanding of what we do here in the event racing community. You cannot ask for a better listen along the way. So thank you to Kim, Alina, Cass, and Dell for coming onto the Dark Zone. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. As a listener of the Dark Zone, you know that we support Ascend Athletics. We encourage everyone to head over to AscendAthletics.org and check out their new initiative called Invest in Her, an investment in the future of girls and places where access is limited. Ascend Athletics does a great job working with young women in Afghanistan and Pakistan through education, climbing, and other opportunities. We encourage all of our listeners to visit ascendathletics.org and check out Invest in Her. Thank you for being a listener, and thank you for supporting Ascend. And remember, Ascend pays nothing for this sponsorship. We like what they do and are proud to pass long word of their good work. Welcome to the Dark Zone and Adventure Racing Podcast. This is your host Brian Gatens. So we are joined from the other side of the world by the Mountain Designs Wild Women Adventure Racing Team. They just won a big race down there in Australia. I'm going to turn first to Del Lloyd. To fill us in on who they are, what they won, and what it means to them. Del, welcome to the show. Take it away.
0: Thanks, Brian. It's a privilege to be on the show. I's super excited to uh, to be here with you. Um, yeah, so Mountain Designs Wild Women. Kim, Elena, Cass, and I'm Del. Kim is a team leader and um, an amazing advocate for women's sport in Australia. And um, yeah, it's been a leading wild women for oh, yeah. ten years. Yeah, ten years. So, what, um, from what I've gathered, yeah.
1: Kim, Kim is Kim is a, a, an outright rock star when it comes to the Australian adventure racing scene. Is that is that a true statement, Kim? Oh, uh,
0: look,
2: my dancing isn't that great, um, <laughs> but yeah. Definitely running on rocks and doing all the adventurous stuff is definitely my passion. So, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, probably more than half of my life is something to do with adventure racing.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So Dell, who else do we have there?
0: Uh, Alina, you should say hi. Hi. <laughs>
1: now now if, if I'm, if I'm correct, Alina is a world champion, but she's very, very loath to admit it. Is that true?
3: Uh, possibly. I mean, I've been in the adventure racing scene for quite a long time since 1997. It was my first race. I'm not great at dates, but I'm pretty sure it was about then. So, yeah, it's it's been a while.
1: And I'm correct, there's a couple of eco challenges in there too, as well as some World championships.
3: Yeah, yeah, done some eco challenges, Primal Quest, um, Southern Traverse, God's Own. Um, yeah, I've been I've been around.
1: If, 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 <laughs> if, 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 if it if exists, you've done it. Last,
0: we lost some sleep last night because these guys got talking about eco challenge, and we just had the best laughs. Oh my goodness, <laughs> stories! Hey, you know, I will Steve. tell you. Anyway, That's on my other side, cast. Um, so I, 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 I'm the baby of the
4: team, I suppose. Um, I don't, I don't have anywhere near as much uh, experiences as these girls, but um, it's yeah. Um, I'm really happy to be part of the team and I've, I've been racing with Kim for probably 10, 10 years now uh, fairly regularly. So I've had a really amazing mentor to to guide me on my adventure racing journey and um, hopefully for still a long, long time to come yet.
1: So, so, so clearly the biggest thing that you, you bring to the table with, with all your experience is the fact that you've been racing together. And also, I know there's different permutations of, of the team, but you have so much base, and so much experience. Rarely do you come across a team where the youngest member in the team has 10 years experience. And so you layered all this over time. And, and I have to ask, you you just had a pretty big win. You had a, a big win down there, down in the legend. Let's work backwards. Let's talk about your most recent win, and then we'll back into the other things that you've done. So what race did you win and how did the race go for you?
2: So um, yeah, so we have just completed the Legend Expedition Race, and it's the the second round that um, of that event. So in Australia, many people would be very familiar with um, with the event XPD, um, which has been um, around for years and years and years. And so, when Geocentric Outdoors decided to Um, some of their events, such as GeoQuest and Hell's Bells, um, were taken over by Wild & Co. And so for probably at least probably eight years, Wild & Co. took over Hell's Bells and GeoQuest. And XPD was still being run by Geocentric up until, um, I think, it was COVID years. So I think 2021 Mm -hmm. it got delayed. So... Um with the finish of XPD and Chris sort of taking something over, he didn't want to try and – he didn't know that he had the ability to do um, that same event. So he created the Legend Expedition Race and um, Del, Alina and myself got to race um, as Mountain Designs Wild Women last year um, in the Jindabyne event and – the event was, um, it was legendary, you know, it was scenic, it was hard, it was tough. It it just had so much um, of, you know, the Aussie adventure Um, and it was legendary and so, you know, there was just no question as to whether we were going to come back and have another go and so that's the event that we have now backed up and done again and, um, you know, had the best result absolutely possible
1: so so we've had chris dixon on the show before and i'll put a link to in the show notes to that episode And, and chris is a he's a true believer he loves the sport loves the racing is completely into it for those who are not familiar with the legend race can you walk us through the overall distance of the race the disciplines that were used there how long did it take you what what are the numbers that you would wrap around the race
2: Okay, so the approximate overall distance is more than 500 kilometres. Um, the amount of time we had to complete the event um, was six days. This year um, there was some last-minute course modifications that had to be made based on some water quality um, of one of the dams. So it probably cut out a little bit of some of um, one section of it. But we, I think we had... Ended up with thirteen legs altogether. A um, well, we linear played, course, right? Yeah, big circle, heading sort of southeast, and then heading sort of north up into the high otways. The whole otway area we sort of traversed on bike on pretty much everything, and then it was a big. The tail end of the race was um, a sort of an eighty-eight kilometer trek. Along what we probably anticipated to be a pretty flat, cruisy beach trek, but it was a hilly up, down, up, down, up, down. With
0: like three thousand meters mm-hmm. of elevation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's and a beach. That's nice and flat.
0: Was a very
2: short paddle of thirteen kilometers, which actually took um, about over four hours. Due to a
1: sudden loss of water. Oh, I'd heard um, about that. There was was it yes. the was it the engineers? They changed the, the the dam. Am I right about that?
0: They dredged it. The, that's right. The they dredged, dredged it. it. Yeah. So we renamed it the Mud Wallow Leg instead of the Kayak Leg. Yeah. yeah. And so you wallow. were
1: fully expecting water, water. You thought you'd be able to kayak, and at 13k, oh, yes. right? First you first you zip right down was, there.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The first checkpoint was awesome. <laughs> 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 so we'll come back to that later but yeah the, the legends race is like the preeminent expedition race in Australia now and it was in a beautiful spot up in the high country last year all above a thousand meters and this year in Victoria so most people it's ge- I don't know how good everybody's geography of Australia is but kind of down the bottom of Australia on the Great Ocean Road so like Google search Great Ocean Road yeah beautiful rocky coastline Obviously a road along the side and then but just up into cool temperate rainforest and amazing mountain biking tracks and beautiful creeks and rivers. So yeah, it was a real treat to be here. And I'm from Victoria, so I need to give them kind of helpful space <laughs> 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 Oh, And they have blackberries, which I love the different vegetation all over Australia. So when we found blackberry plants, my lovely Queensland and New South Wales teammates like they were growing berries. Oh, we could eat the berries. Yeah, the pest in Victoria, but um, we were um enjoying traveling through the country. Yeah, it was very very cool.
1: And and so in the, in this race here, that is, is the six day races that came together. It was it was one hundred and forty four hours in total, about five hundred k. There were different cuts here and there. How long did it take you to cover the whole course? What was your winning time?
0: Oh, we got yeah. back on Wacky Wednesday. We'd gotten we were out on the course long enough to forget what day it was. they <laughs> I mean, more all funny names. Uh Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, days okay.
2: two hours. I'm just done two hours. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so
1: they say in adventure racing, there's the first day and then there's the last day, and then there's one big day in between, right? So, so who knows what what day it is? Yeah. You know, there. So, so you you clearly you 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 won this race outright, winners of the race. I I realized that at the end of the race there was some drama with the other team when it came to navigational challenges that gave you the win. How did the race unfold at the very end? Because it was a real it was a dogfight until the finish.
0: Yeah.
3: But like it was quite fun on that final leg, you know, we did keep passing each other back and forth. Um, and I think it was that, you know, on the last day you you just want to keep pushing, but you're also really quite tired. and yep. there comes a point where you have to just actually really consider what you're doing. and we had that point where we were, well, at least I was kept walking into bushes <laughs> falling asleep.
1: Yeah, it happens. <laughs>
3: And I just said, I think we're just moving too slow. We need to take a last final twenty-minute nap, mm-hmm. which we did, um, and it was certainly worthwhile. But then we were still a, I do don't know. Then we got ahead of them again, yeah. and then I guess halfway through, they just decided to really put on the put on the rocket shoes and just bolted for home. And we just didn't have that in it in us. I think at that point. But largely that was because of what happened in the leg before on the kayak or mud.
1: Yeah, you were just, leg. you were tired from that. And you were, and it must have been a big, I mean, you know, you're coming into the finish line, right? And you know, the race is almost over and the, the, you know, you're running out of maps. I always like to say that, you know, that less and less maps in your hands. But it must have been psychologically really hard to, to go through that paddle, which you thought was going to be relatively simple, right? 13K, have it into a mud fest, then you're tired then you want to get done and then you're racing like like psychologically it feels like there was a lot of weight on the team towards the end of the race
0: am i right about that um like i think we knew that they hadn't done the full paddle so i think it's probably worth telling the story right so we go out on this paddle beautiful sort of um estuarine lake thing you know the sun's setting we're going really fast trying to get through before dark you know paddling among these amazing reeds and like tricky checkpoint you know like you to pull in and climb three foot up the bank into the reeds to you know whatever but we were all good we would get the next checkpoint and then we just started running out of water so we're paddling and paddling and the water's getting thinner until you're in like three inches of water and the boat's not moving so then you start like sticking your paddle in and scooping yourself along the mud with your paddle um and then we're really not going in and you kind of completely stop. And we just had to, like, we had to be able to think about what do we do? So we got out of the boat and we sank into mud above our knees. And you're stuck in the middle of a, a water, like a, a mud mud like, flat. It's just a big mud flat. And there's no place to go. It isn't it like there's a shoreline.
1: Like You can't, like, leave the water and go up on the shore. It's just, you're just a huge expanse of, of, of mud around mud. you.
3: Mud, yeah. yeah. And I'd like to add that it wasn't just mud it was full of a lot of cow
1: food yeah. on me. Oh it yeah, 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 yeah. Never touch, don't ever put your hands in your, your, hands in your mouth at that point. That's the, yeah. the big you rule, know, right? Don't touch your eyes, touch your mouth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had that conversation too. So anyway, we are in the middle of the mud, you can see the checkpoints, we're half a kilometer that way. Yeah. Like, how the hell are we gonna get there? Like, how is this gonna happen? Yeah. And I remember just looking around and going like, how do we do this? And Kat said to me, we'll just keep paddling, we're still moving. Like right. six inches every bum shove with your paddle stroke we'll get there. Anyway, Elena and um, Kim decided that we should try and portage. But the trouble is that the portage was in like reeds that were taller than our heads. So you paddled, paddled you, you bum shoved or pushed the kayaks to the edge. And then you had to climb onto a three-foot bank with these, you know, kayaks loaded up, blah, blah, blah. So you get the... And then they just smashed through the reeds, like we called kim the bulldozer but kim and ali and i'm gonna say it was really bold and tenacious to do that this is the point at which the boys said oh this can't be done
1: right so the boys and walked the med- away from it right but- at that point they're like they, they they threw the talent and they missed two checkpoints i believe that, that, that yeah. you received right am i right about that
0: yeah
2: yeah 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 so but we need we, yes, we yes. had actually got ahead of them on the previous leg and we we didn't know what our lead was, but uh, by the encouragement that we got at the TA before we got out onto the paddle, by the sort of um, lack of really lots of questions, everyone was sort of hurrying us yeah. onto the water.
1: You could tell. Yeah, so they, wanted, they wanted you to get going so they knew it was close. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> we just started paddling as quickly as we could thinking, oh, the boys are coming. So we had no idea how far back they are because you, no one's allowed to tell us. So we just got on and paddled our guts out. And so what happened was we were out there doing this drag. Um, it took us more than two hours to get two checkpoints. Okay. And we,
3: over that time. Which, which sorry, I mean, two hours doesn't sound much, but if you were paddling it, it, it probably would have, would have been 20 minutes. Yeah.
1: Well, right, and that's, and so that's where it gets really hard mentally, right? Because the time, yeah. distance and time are relative. Right? Yeah.
3: So,
1: okay. And
2: so when we were – um, what, when we'd sort of seen this checkpoint more than 500 metres away, we were dragging and dragging and dragging, and I looked up, went back down to the shore to see how close we were, and I went, oh, we're still more than 200 metres away. We've got to go another 200. So yeah. we've just – gone up another level of energy and enthusiasm and just dragged and dragged and dragged and Al was on the front just pushing. Oh. And I'm pushing <laughs> her in the back and we've got two straps. Like, thank God we right. took the straps right. with us. And um, we were falling over and then just getting up again and then, you know, bashing down. And we then as I sort of looked again and it was right beside us. I'm like, oh, my God, there's a right checkpoint. Right and we just thought no one else is gonna do this. Right. They're gonna right. try find...
1: so hard. You do that you clearly it was gonna kill them to get that yeah. far because you had you had Fort to it. Okay.
2: So part of the event mandatory equipment is to take a camera. So we got out the GoPro and I've got the GoPro out and I've filmed Dell getting the you know, punching the checkpoint. I filmed us with our boats and then we did a little bit of a video of us when we were then dragging them back and then exiting back into this mud. And because we just thought no one else is going to even try that. They're going right. to dump the boats on the side and then try and run up and get the checkpoint run back. But there was a very clear rule that said you must stay within 25 metres of your kayaks at all times on that lake, on any kayak leg.
1: Right. So, so, so because nobody would dump the kayak, run without the kayaks and they yeah. go back. Because that because that would be a yeah. strategy that people would employ because the kayaks were so hard to carry.
2: Exactly. And so we were adamant that we were going to do the right thing, and we did, and we videoed our evidence of doing that. And so we then puddled. It was pitch black. The next checkpoint was mud, and it was right on the other side of the lake. So we had no option but to just try and puddle. puddle well, we were
3: puddle. I was mud. in the back. So Kim was in the front paddling, I was outside the boat pushing it (laughs) with the the mud, and it was that really thick, squelchy, it's not fast mud at all. It's like peanut butter. (laughs) And I could get stuck, like
0: castle at one point. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. It, it was mud that you could easily get stuck in. Yeah. Um, like you know, we we didn't lose any shoes, but uh, some other teams lost shoes. I saw in a picture
1: it. of a, someone who had a towel wrapped around their foot with duct tape, as if that was their new shoe, because the yeah. shoe was gone forever. It's been donated to the mud gods.
4: Yeah, yeah, left it left in the mud. Um, yeah, yeah Andrew,
0: like we have a there was one bit where I had to push the boat towards cats and we we're levering ourselves out of the mud. We were both like mid thigh in this stuff. Oh yeah.
1: We did, yeah, we did a race, we was... did ITERRA in 2019 and paddling at night and we're, we come to the end of a Scottish lock and there's four of us in the team and we thought we had a big long paddle in front of us. We had saw a blue line at the end of the lock. We got there and it just stopped and it was boat out of the water and we dragged those boats for miles. There was no water to put them into. And, but it's amazing how, and, and you, you will all relate to this with your experience, is that you are just in the middle of these somewhat hellish conditions and you're like, well, this is our life. Now we have to keep going. Yeah. Like there's no quitting. There's no walking away from it. There's no making a phone call. Like the only way to get out is to go through. And, but to your point, it was like you went through, but like, and then you got the checkpoint along the way. Cause you could have just turned and taken a different direction, but strategically you knew that that was going to be a big get for other teams. And so therefore you, that and that really secured you the win because the other teams abandoned oh. those checkpoints.
3: I think also, you know, as we said before, we've got many, many years of experience, and we know that things like that happen in adventure races. There's, you know, those legs where you're biker biking or you're throwing your bike to get through some thick forest, and why you've got your bike, you're not really quite sure, but you happen to have it, and you and you meant to keep it, so you got to work out how you get it through, you know, and you yeah. can be travelling. It might take you an hour to go a kilometre, and that's just part of it. And I think if you don't have that experience, um, you know, as a team you might be thinking, well, we can't do this. This is not right. You know?
0: And what it's not right it was definitely going through our minds. Like this is a bit crazy, but also we had like two of the most experienced adventure racers in Australia on the team right. who were like, This is not humanly impossible. It will be very hard, but we will do it. You know, waist deep in mud, kayak above your head, completely plastered, (laughs) smashing. But but, you know what? And, you know, and I said at one point, well, what are we going to do? It's not like we're not going to get the checkpoint. So let's get going.
1: Yeah, exactly. What? The conversation stops. You stop moaning about how hard it is. And you just kind of like, well, this is who we are now. And we're going to go in that direction. And when it's over, it's over. So, so I've done some math here. Speaking about experienced adventure racing teams. So you shared that there's almost 80 years of experience between the four of you, racing experience. And I added up your ages. You're 197 years old combined. Right, oh, right. So, so I We're mean, I, I, chicken, as you, by the way, you are all nodding your uh, head and smiling. <laughs> to the people at home that are horrified <laughs> that I told you how old you all are—you are one hundred and ninety-seven. <laughs> but what I, what I don't want to let go too far into the conversation with is that your win as an all-female team was the first of its kind.
2: Well, I suppose um, for when um, Elena and I both raced in, um, you know, mixed teams right. at a high, very high level and Al was super top of the world, and I sort of was lucky enough to win one of this race, Um, so the XPD in 2013 down in South Australia with Mount Designs, and I, in my career of adventure racing, was at the point where I didn't know because of, you know, your age, I didn't think I was fast enough to be able to continue pushing myself um with the boys you know with them with a mixed team because at the start of the race it just used to almost kill me because i just could not go that fast and for um for me the next thing personally that i wanted to be able to get out of the sport was to be able to lead a team and navigate because that's you know the hugest part of adventure racing is is that navigation so i was trying to develop those skills while I was still racing with Mount Designs. But when we raced, I didn't get an opportunity to navigate unless someone was almost dead. So for me in the sport, that was my next goal. And so, but luckily, we I put forward a proposal to Mount Designs, would they be willing to sponsor a women's team because adventure racing just did not have enough women in the sport and I felt that, um, part of what I wanted to do personally was to be able to grow and nurture and motivate encourage more women mm. to not only get into the sport but learn all of the skills so that they were a genuine, worthy part of the team who was fully capable across all disciplines. And so that's probably the big philosophy behind Mountain Design to Wild Women. And so... Um, you know, Cass and I, Cass was in the original Wild Woman team with me. Um, and we started off probably with a, you know, like GeoQuest, Tells Bells. And then my first leading expedition race, Al was in the team down in, we did an XPD in Tasmania. And with one of our other original Wild Women, we completed that course. We had an absolutely great race. And I think we were just out sprinted at the end by the men's teams. So we've always been against the men's teams just like, you know, it's just so close. (laughs) And the events often finish with a bike or a paddle where the guys are just stronger. And so with this one finishing, having like really short, fast legs at the start and then this um, really long, hard bit at the end, we as women were able to just, I don't know, use other things that we have to, I suppose, achieve that result. And, um, yeah, and I suppose we've always wanted to do well, never thought that that was actually going to be possible.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've raced only a couple of races um, with the Wild Women. I've never been beaten by a team of four men while I've been hanging out with Kim, and I like that. (laughs) Um, You know, and I think we're all used to, you know, we've all raced mixed teams. We're all used to being kind of dragged around a bit and just having to be the person who keeps up. But when you race in a team of women, especially one that's got Kim's ethos in it, it is really empowering. And, you know, there wasn't a huge depth of field. But I, like, we deserved that win. We went really hard. We went fast. We were smart. We used all of our skills and experience. Like, I mean, some things we didn't cover, like, you know, we had people vomiting on the first stage, and we had, like, food poisoning or something in the middle, and we kind of worked together, and we looked after each other. You know, we had a heap of fun. We did all the right things, you know, super good humility, good self-care, having quite a quite lot of fun along the way. The navigation was accurate. We smashed it. We went really flipping hard on the bike. We were towing, We were carrying each other's gear. We were, you know, encouraging each other. We blew. We were absolutely banging it. So, you know, we're, we're looking back, what do we do less well in this race? There's not a lot of things on the thing. You know, it was one of those races where actually everything went right for us. And in that mud puddle, we knew we had masses of experience, heaps of bloody mindedness, and we were damn well going to get through. And when we were smashing through the reeds and diving through the mud, one of the things on our minds was, I wonder how many other people are going to give this a go. And we were, you know, we didn't, we didn't muck around either. We were like, right, get the job done. Let's go. And so, you know, you know, I think we've already got the sleep strategy pretty right. So we deserve the win. Like we really worked for it. And um, yeah, like super proud.
1: What do you credit your longevity in the sport?
0: I think for me,
3: um, so I've probably been in it the longest <laughs> um and it's something you know I just loved it I I had a, a amazing mixed team and you know we we raced together all the time we were team A Rock and um you know I had some really good experiences and then and I raced with my husband the whole time which was fantastic And then I guess I had kids. And so that put me out for a while. And, you know, different things happened. We started our own business. Things got very busy. And um, so I kind of stopped for a while.
1: But that's also a bit of a blessing because those were years that you didn't grind your body to a nub. You took it easy on exactly. your hips and you're right. So you kind of took those yeah. years that you you took off. And I put that in quotes on purpose because you weren't off. You were busy doing other things that prevented those overuse injuries that could have come if you didn't take that break from the intense physical activity.
3: Yeah. Potentially, potentially. I mean, like I've always kept active and I did other, other little races here and there, you know, multi-sport type races or just whatever. But I did have a bit of a time away from any kind of competition um, and then it started back again for me as my kids sort of got a bit older. I wanted them, I think they had a kind of a, I don't know, something about the fact that they must have known mum and dad were pretty good at things, mm-hmm. and as a result I felt like they didn't want to put themselves out there because even though we never had any expectations for them, I, I kind of had this feeling that I they didn't want to do something because they might not win. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, okay, I said to myself, I'm going to start going in random competitions. And I just, just went in, you know, like um, off-road triathlons or a mountain bike race or a multi-sport race or, or something like that just to show it, you know, when I first went back. I had my first child at 40, so, you know, I'm not a young mum either. Um And so... Back in my late 40s, I started again just to show that it doesn't matter where you come or how you go. It's if you enjoy it, do it. If you don't enjoy it, don't do it. That's fine. But if you enjoy it, have a go. You don't need to do it to win. You just need to do it to enjoy it. And sometimes for me, I like the competition because it makes me push myself that bit further, which I like. If I just go out by myself for a ride, I just plod along and I think about something. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think psychologically, I think, I think we do very like, well oh. when there's
1: something waiting for us. Like I yeah. know like when the race season ends and I have like, my kryptonite is like November and December because like the race season's over and the holidays are here and I'm kind of aimless and I make terrible choices when it comes to training and nutrition and I just, I always go into a hole. So to your point, having a thing on the horizon that is kind of scary and kind of hard serves as a motivating tool.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think just talking about kind of the sports and longevity. So my story is a little bit like Ali and you know, I had an amazing uh, mixed team. Like I love them all like brothers, but I stopped to have kids and they all got broken and injured and it wasn't going to happen anymore. Yeah. But the passion for going out and having amazing experiences, i I'd love expedition racing more than the short races, hands down, because it's a journey and you get to go yep. out and live in the back, live in the bush for a week with your backpack and some mates. You know, there's no technology. There's like, it's a just so it's great. It's, I agree. it's just so amazing. And so I had a bit of break. I had a bit of a break while we had kids and um, came back feeling like I wasn't going to be that fast. So coming, being able to join the expedition team has been been really cool and I think it's something about the sport and the community that makes you want to want to keep doing but Cass did not have a great for kids oh I haven't <laughs> so I've um
4: yeah I, yeah I did <laughs> um yeah um uh, well yeah I I've, the, I guess the the variety in the community and and I suppose my my passion for my my teammates and the, the people that I that I love um Brought me back to the sport really quickly um, after I, I had my little girl. She's only um, three. Cass is she's, three she's three And Cass
3: is still young. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I like. I like that. By coast. the way,
1: I love. I love this team. By the way, that that and this will. This will make people's hearts sing. Is that the young person is in their early forties?
2: So Cass did coast to coast world multi sport champs, <laughs> carrying her young, you know, unborn baby without even knowing so her little bub got to do coast to coast as well without so, so she actually
1: going. won the two-person division <laughs>
2: yeah so um, yeah, i was um
4: a little bit of um ignorance is bliss on that one um yeah I, I was 12 to 14 weeks pregnant um when i raced coast to coast um in the in the elite category yeah so i mean coming back from on oh, and, and coming back from that and and being a mum, which the other girls all know that um has, has thrown some big big challenges into, into racing and, and consistent training. Um but, but for me um these guys are, are my my biggest mates. They're my you know my extended family mm-hmm. and and you know my my love of hanging out with with them and all the other wild women. Um and and our our tri adventure group, um, you know, brought brought me back to the to the sport really really quickly.
0: Yeah,
4: um, which I I think is what what adventure racing does um you, you develop really strong bonds with the people that you race with you see them at their best and you see them at their worst and you um and you really yeah really have to work together and, and I, I love that and that's yeah. what, what i love about adventure
3: racing
1: there's definitely a human dynamic in place in which when you when you go through strenuous experiences with like-minded people that bonds you in such a way that other experiences don't you know i i say it on the show from time to time it's war stories without the war Right. The fact that you get that you you slog through mud and the fact that you 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 deal with the sleep monsters and the deprivation and the sore feet and you and you go through that together and you kind of you bring yourself across the finish line as a group. There's a there's a cementing between personalities and people that is just it's fantastic. And I'm sure that other experiences recreate that in other parts of the world. It's not exclusive to adventure racing, but I've seen it come alive the most in adventure racing. That's where it really kind of comes alive. And I and I will agree with you, Del. I love adventure racing in all forms. For me, the expedition races are, are really where it's at, in my opinion. I mean, to, just to shut the phone off, put it in a bag, you get you get three people around you, four, four of your mates, it's you, the maps, and a chunk of time to go do something. I, I love unplugging from the world in that regard, so I agree with you. I turned down no races, but I really enjoy an expedition race, so you're right about that. So let, let me ask you this question. So we talk a lot about the things that you need to do to stay competitive, right, to add to your longevity. What are the things that you avoided to make yourselves better? Like, what did you not do during your breaks? What did you not do in your throughout your your career that would have added that would have taken away from your ability to compete? What did you avoid?
0: Pam, hey, you just didn't stop. That was probably that was
2: the way to do it. So, my full time job is a PE teacher, and when I was very young, I was a, a runner and i did you know in australia i would be top 10 in my you know in my age as a 14 15 year old and towards the end of my school years i thought you know you can't make money out of being a runner you have got to have a profession so and i always wanted to be a PE teacher so and to this day 36 years of teaching um, you know that that's my job and i think for me Working in environment with young people keeps me young.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I spent about fifteen years um, doing triathlon to um, a very high level. After I think, when I was in a, in the early, sort of 90, early nineties, I started doing triathlon, um, and I had a swimming and running background, so I just had to learn how to ride a bike, which wasn't that easy for me. But I'd ridden the bike, but just not fast. And I love the challenge of that. And I think, um, as my sister just reminded me the other day as well, that as a kid, I used to watch on TV Survival of the Fittest. And I wanted to do that. And, but for some reason, I lived in a city. It just wasn't what it was. I did, I got my job and I became a PE teacher. And I love that. And as I've got older, I've just, never been afraid to just try something a little bit different to push myself and so when you did triathlon at first i thought oh this is great because you swim and you ride and you run and you get a break but it was super repetitive and more likely to cause injuries because it was all this running on the road so while i was doing triathlon i also just before i started doing super well I did a few mountain running races and I did really well. And I just had this skill about being able to run down a hill fast. So all of a sudden my triathlon coaches were saying, oh, no, you can't do that anymore. And I thought, hang on, this is, I love doing lots of different things. And so I think that is the key is that just doing things differently and never doing too much of one thing that you get sick of it. And so
1: that's what you avoided, right? You avoided those repetitive behaviors over yeah. time right you didn't you did like we see it very often you know we have a there's a little bit of insanity in america when it comes to youth sports and if someone shows a skill set like in baseball or in tennis that that's all they will do all the time and by the time they're 18 yeah. or 19 years old they've they're, they're developing joints have fallen apart and they've grown to hate the sport there's so many you yeah. see these high school phenoms go off to college and they're almost relieved to get injured because the pressure is yeah. off them to actually do it, and so so one thing you avoided, right? Coming back to the question that I asked, one thing that you avoided was you avoided repetition, right? You you mixed it up a little bit. You also avoided a long layoff, that because you're a PE teacher and because you had that in your life, it kept you moving. You never got rusty. You right? You never. You know. You don't need to go back to basics if you don't leave the basics. And the third yeah. thing you did, which is important, was you were with you. You have a job where you're around young people. And young people are natural energy, they're batteries. And many adults, myself included, I work with kids also. I draw energy from them. It helps keep me young also. So you're right on about that.
2: Definitely. And just that, and also for me, it's about then showing that you you can actually keep doing things for way longer than you ever imaginably thought possible. You know, so, you know, when I was 15 and a runner and, you know, early 20s, I thought, oh, no, I'm too old to do that. And in triathlon, the same thing, I was at a high level and, the, you know, the all the money and funding was all going to really young people and I was in my late my late 20s, early 30s and it was like, no, you're, you're too old to do really well. We're, we're supporting all these young people. And, and I thought, and I just kept trying all these amazing different things and, you know, I had a bit of a success and, you know, I'm a pretty quiet person and i just push myself as hard as i can possibly go but then also um yeah just um part of i've also being a teacher and is is the coaching side of things so my brain um i just love to analyze technique and doing things smarter so when i ride a mountain bike my mountain bike training isn't about how fast i can ride it's how fast i can ride using the least amount of energy possible, mm-hmm. and that is for everything. So paddling technique, I change my paddling technique throughout the whole paddle because I get tired. It's not my natural thing. So if I try, I try I paddle with the same technique for the whole paddle, I would just get fatigued. So I paddle like this and then I paddle like that, and and I think that's part of the learning process that you just gain with those years of experience.
1: I think also to adventure racing, and we've seen it time and time again is that the most physically strong team is not guaranteed a good, a good race. That there's a lot more than that. There's I a lot think, more to it. The mental component. What are you going what are you guys? Yes. Go ahead, Alina.
3: I was going to say like in my experience, um, it really is the teamwork. It's the navigation and the teamwork. You know, there's no point going really fast in the wrong direction is, is the first <laughs> key thing. Um, and i still notice that you know if i if i do an orienteering race i I'm, <laughs> I'm hopeless <laughs> you know and these you get these um, i call them old and i am old but they're even older than me and they're so good at that really fine navigation. You know? They're amazing. They're just, they
1: blow right by you and you're standing around with the map in your hands right. and they're just, they're it's like, where'd they go?
3: Right. And they're running back and, and forth in front of you. Me, it's like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that always brings me back to, you know, it, it really is, you've got to go in the right direction, but then there's no point going in the right direction if you're falling apart as a team. So, um, you know, and, and going back to past years, my team, we were such an amazing team, you know, and we weren't the fittest. We weren't the fastest. Um, but we certainly had the most fun. We were the only team that were out there winning when and singing songs and making <laughs> jokes and stuff at the same time, and people would always comment on that, like, wow, what, you know. What's somebody else doing? <laughs> <laughs> And it was, that that's the whole part of it. You stay upbeat, you stay, and you look after each other. And and I mean, that's the thing that we do really well together is that, um, you know, it's fine to be towed and it's fine to tow someone. It's fine to take someone's bit of equipment to help them up the hill a bit faster. And And that's, you know, there's no, you don't need to feel bad about it. You don't need to feel good about it. It's just, you just do it. And I think, that's what works really well in an all-female team that a lot of, you know, no offence, guys out there, but you find it really hard to ask for help and you find it really hard to, um, you know, give your, especially get help from a, a female and that was where our team back in the old days was amazing because I certainly got towed at the start, but I think I was probably the only girl out there that ever towed their teammates, and I towed mine frequently
0: towards the end. Um, I think when you and- find a team with no ego and bucket loads of humility and where your goal is together to get somewhere, it and you can put that in front of everybody's personal needs to feel good or look good or look tough or whatever. You actually just give your whole self to the team. And as a team, you put all of your energy in one bucket and you share it out. So if you need to sing somebody a song to keep them awake or you need to carry some gear or receive a push or somebody to say, I'll just carry that, give it to me and just say, fine. It doesn't, it's no, it has, there is no purpose other than together getting where you want to go as fast as you can, and, um, yeah, you don't let anything get in the way of that. And I think in this particular race, we had the opportunity to do really special teamwork and self-management. So the first leg of this Legends race, Alina did the first five hours on a negative amount of fuel. So leg one of the race, Alina's feeding the fish during the paddle. (laughs) Like... And we're running along the beach, and I'm thinking, okay, so she's vomited her breakfast, not drunk anything. Three, four, five hours later, you know, and Ali did amazing like personal body management. And as a team, we were like, okay, where is where's Ali? Where's Ali? Has she had any food yet? She's been able to drink, do you want a jelly snake? Do you want this? What do we need to do to keep you moving? And but, you know, masses of experience. Personal self-management was amazing. The next leg, we were all going along fine. And then suddenly Kim gets like really sick and is Killed up on the grass, vomiting. Like if you just if you weren't working as a real team, you could have let that get in the way. We just had a quick sleep, waited for to perk up, carried our bags for a while, and then got on with the job. But again, it was because none of us panicked, thinking about thinking together. How do we get through this? Um, and just yeah, that 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 teamwork is really. Really cool. And frankly, it keeps me coming back to the sport because I love people and I love hanging out with people. And the, the dynamics is like it's really special. It's really special.
1: It sounds like Kim is encouraging Cass to say something. Cass.
4: I, uh, I don't I don't say I don't say a real lot. and um, I think just circling back to, you know, things that we've avoided to to keep us going. Um we've we've all avoided the 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 I can't mentality, you know, that that things are it's that's too hard, that's too difficult, you know, there's too many barriers, you know, I'm too slow. I, you know, we've all um you know jumped into races where we haven't been haven't been as fit as what we'd like to be, you know, or you know, you've got those work and family challenges where, you know, I can't, I can't get on the bike today. I can't, you know, um, we've done really well to um I guess you know work around those so what what can I do you know what how can we overcome um how can we overcome that problem and and not not been afraid to to jump in and and have a crack you know it would have been easy I, I jumped into this race what six weeks ago um probably not not at my highest level of fitness and when I when I you know first said yes then my, my next thought once I'd said yes to Kim was what have I what have I just done oh my god this is you know I'm going to be horrible and you go through that that negative thought cycle but then you you figure out a way to to get around it and and you know it it, it is what it is when when you get into the racing um and your, your team really supports you along the way and you know when when you're not at not at your best um then, then the team team carries you, and and I, I think that's that's been a really important thing. Is to yeah, where where we've we've kept that longevity in the sport because we're mm. we're just yeah, not not afraid to to have a crack even though things are tough. What well, yeah. well, you don't, well, you you don't enough, do is you
1: don't you but don't you don't quit yeah. before the race starts. A lot of people quit before the race starts, and you don't do that.
4: I think it's it's really easy to say oh, I, I I can't do that. You know, I'm I'm not fit enough. I'm I'm not. You know, I'm not this, I'm I'm too busy. I am you know. And that's the the beauty, I think, about adventure racing is that you don't have to be super fit. Um, you don't have to be, you know, to to have a good race. You know, we know lots of adventure racers who who don't run, you know, fantastic adventure racers who, you know, they they never they never run in a race. They they only walk. Um
0: yeah, so I, I think that's
4: that's been a big, big key. But also yeah, go yeah. down.
0: Oh, just, just, I love what just said about, you know, that don't let the I can't mentality get in at any stage. And, yeah. you know, lots of people say, this is familiar, right? Oh, how do you do that? Oh, I could never do that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe you. Yeah. How do you find time? Like, oh, well, I get up at 5 p.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning, and then, you know, and then I have a rule that I shouldn't start training after 10 o'clock at night. Um, and, you know, so you find the time um and you're making an like i can and you sort of embrace that imperfection that you're talking about and that's i think that's a cool thing about it, that yeah nobody has the perfect race you it's not possible to have the perfect race where everything is spot on and so you have to embrace that imperfection and come in a bit on my heart am i a bit half baked for this race you know you, you you've got to be just let it go and yeah, and
4: I think we've we've talked a lot this week about um, increasing participation in in adventure racing and, and particularly women. And I think that's a key message that that needs to get out there. That you don't have to be amazing to to do an adventure race. To finish an adventure race, um, you you obviously need to have a bit of grit and determination. But but you can you can just go in with with what you've got, and then you, right. you figure out how you're going to get get to that end point um i think a lot sometimes we see what comes out in the media for adventure race you see a hard slog and it's and we talk about you know the the epic moments and oh my god we hiked a bike up this hill for hours and hours and and sometimes maybe that can people look at that and go oh, oh I, I just couldn't do that mm-hmm. um so i think maybe that's that's something that the the adventure race community needs to embrace a little bit is is drawing in you know that that idea that, that everyone can do adventure
3: racing in their, own, in their own capacity. We're sitting here now, and we finished a couple of days ago, but we're actually um, in the back room of of where the finish line kind of is, and we're actually waiting for a women's team to come and and come and finish. And they've just another all women's team. They're they're on day five. Line, oh, my God. Day five. And You know, I'm sure they've had a lovely time out there and they've just been slowly trekking, you know, ticking off each leg. They've slept a lot. And, you know, that's fantastic. Good on it.
1: I I think also, too, and and I've and much like all of you, I've had the chance to race across a variety of different sports, right? Triathlon, bicycle racing, whatever it is. I, I found adventure racers that the barrier to entry for personality for teammate is relatively easy. That you you the the thing you have to jump over to be a good teammate is work hard, do your best to carry each other, like don't be like don't don't be a quitter. I'm not saying you can't quit a race, but like don't have like that negative mentality right away, and your team will wrap its arms around.
3: You. And and like we said before, I think you know longevity is really about doing all sorts of stuff, and and training for adventure racing can be anything. It doesn't have to be something hard. You can go out with your family and and walk up a hill. That can be a training, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be assessed as actual, you know, in quotes, training. It it can be just having a lot of, a lot of fun.
1: I asked that, uh, I I had a chance to talk to Jesse Spangler. He did very well at a race, uh, at the race this past year. And I said, well, what's your, what's your secret? And he says, I just try to do something every day.
2: Yeah. 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 And I say everyday life things are also training, like carrying your shopping bags two big heavy shopping bags and walking home with them, you know, that's something that some people, normal people, don't do anymore because they don't, you know, get in the car, put the shopping in the car, use a trolley. So just more of those original lifestyle movements that we used to do um, as human beings much earlier in, you know, than our modern times. Um, I was, you know, one of my things with the kids at school is sometimes do things the hard way not because it's, it's not the fast way it's the hard way and it'll make you fitter, tougher, more resilient in the future.
1: If someone is listening to this right now, and if they want to dip their toes into the water, if they want to try adventure racing, but it feels like a big thing to them, what should they, not what should they think, but what should they do as a result of this?
4: Well, this is, this is where I, I came into, um, adventure racing, um, because of because I knew Kim um Kim actually took me away in some representative sport teams um as a phys ed teacher um and probably was was you know um somebody that I, I looked up to so those of you that don't know um Kim also when she's not racing and training and and teaching full time um also runs a a, a business called Try Adventure um which pretty much offers offers adventure racing style um, training, coaching, and, and social aspe- social aspects. Um, so, I think um, you know, finding finding a, a group of people that you can sort of hook into like that um, that are close to you. I know that's that's difficult um, in, in some places that, that that just doesn't exist. So, um, you know, seeking out seeking out people who who have that experience and and can sort of sort of guide you. Um, so, you know. Um, Kim and Jan run run adventure style sessions most most weekends that, that people of all different levels can can rock up to. I know, you know, um you've had people lately, e-bikes and and all those kind of things. Um and, and we make make those sessions work for, for whoever turns up. I and mean, again, that that fosters that bit of, you know, teamwork and and working together, you know, when you know you're pushing out somebody else's bike. Okay giving them a toe to to help them along so i think definitely seeking out um people who who have that experience and i think in in general adventure racers are pretty happy to share that share their experiences and and give their their tips um and also to to look at, at where you can get into some adventure racing and i think that's um chris in our in our local area or back in Queensland has has recently just started to put on a, a number of of shorter races, those those six hour races, which which didn't really which haven't existed in in Southeast Queensland for uh, for maybe the past 10-ish years. Um, so so that's given a really good opportunity for, for people to I guess to to dip their toe into the water of adventure racing without committing to you know 24 or 48 an expedition race um so yeah i think that's probably a key to for people to to get in to get in there
0: yeah i think i'd say similarly find an event that's going to be your goal and doesn't have to be a big one and then find some good people. So if you live in Southeast Queensland, you are sorted because it has an amazing community. But if not, then find somebody else with the right personality who's happy to be positive and give it a go. And just, yeah, see if you can get to an event. And you will find people there who will inspire and help and nurture you. You know, you don't have to have a brilliant bike. You don't have to be any good at kayaking. You don't even need to be able to run. Um, I would say find an early opportunity to learn to navigate. So I have managed to avoid this for almost my entire (laughs) adventure. (laughs) I have three excellent navigators on my left. I had other roles. The only time I navigated was when Kim made me. She said, you want to do navigation? I said, nah. She said, here's the back. We're here. I'm
1: good. I'm good. You guys go <laughs> ahead. I'll catch up.
0: It's one kilometre. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, but, um, yeah, like I can do basic stuff, but, um, yeah, if you can, it doesn't actually matter how fast you're going if you're going in the right direction. So maybe orienteering or um, other opportunities to learn how to get caught up with a map because it's always nice to know where you're going or where yeah. you are. I f- we found that
1: here down. in America, a, a local orienteering club is a gateway to adventure racing. You go to yeah. orienteering meet because 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 oriente- the maps are super specific, so they're easier to follow. That's one thing. Yeah. And on top of that, it's a, it's a it's a several hour event. It's 10k long. You're out in the woods for two three hours, and by virtue of where we live. We're boxed in by civilization, so no matter how lost yeah. you are, if you just walk in a certain direction, you're going to come to a road, and a road gets you back to the start, right? So that's that's the. But I do I think orienteering is a huge place to find people, and to your point too, find a community, that find yeah. people who are interested and just hang out with them. And 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 the thing is that people will accept you if you're if you're a good teammate, right? If you don't drag down the group, if you come if you come prepared, right, ready to move. Like don't be the person in the parking lot that's fumbling with their stuff. Like be ready when you get out of your car, be ready to go. Like make it easy to hang out with you. I think you're right about that.
0: They're talking yeah. about me. <laughs> <laughs> they, t- they told me, Del. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're, we're we're just about at the hour mark now. I know that you're waiting for the the other all women team to come in from the they're they're getting their full money's worth out of the course. So you guys left money on the table. You came in too quick. Now you're hanging out. <laughs> um, what what I'd like to do, uh, and and Kim is the team captain, as someone who who is the, the 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 band leader, if you will, of all this energy and this all of this. I'd like to give you the final word on your the race that you just had, how you look at it, the big picture, however you want to close this out. What do you want to say?
2: Well, um, I just would first like to thank these amazing human beings for spending, you know, taking the commitment to spend, you know, that huge chunk of their lives. You know, it's not just this week um, and just making it, to the start because that's the part that often gets forgotten is just getting to the start line and how hard that is and just for being, um, you know, the best people ever. Um, and it, it, I'm speaking, like, really honestly because, you know, everyone's li- everyone's got their lives and I've got three mums here with me, mm-hmm three amazing mums and I'm not a mum so sometimes I'm not the most nurturing person in the world but these guys are and I tend to just go bulldozer forward and I can forget but having them on my team and our team and being wild women makes me a better person and I know that what we then do is we just because of who we are and what we do we then help make other people better people. And we're honest, we're quiet, we're we're good people and we we want other women um, in the sport to have that opportunity to think I can do this. We just know how good it is to get out in nature and spend time with great people and you just find things in your life that you never thought were humanly possible. And and as, you know, in humanity, this sport gives us that opportunity to find ourselves and just, you know, change lives. So, yeah, I just want to thank the girls. And also the one thing we haven't talked about is all the amazing people in the background of adventure racing are your volunteers and, you know, the people that put out checkpoints before the race, pick them up after the race, spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours at TA's doing the same old, same old when every different person comes in and they just are gold. And so, you know, the whole sport, the racers, the race directors, the volunteers, all of the officials, we've just got this massive community and, it, and I think that what makes this sport so special. And um, for those people out there who haven't done an adventure race, just sign up for one, have a go. And you just might find that you're more amazing than you thought you were and that you can do great things to help others.
1: Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Dark Zone and Podcast. Thank you to Kim Dell. Alina and Cass for coming on to the show they were fresh off the course and they were fantastic they love the sport they love what it has done for them they love giving back to it they take pride in their win the first of its kind to have an all-female team dominate such a strong expedition race thank you for being a listener to the Dark Zone if you like what you hear here Please make it a point to stop by your platform of choice and like and click and subscribe and rate and review and all of that. The algorithm likes it when you do that, and the Dark Zone loves having you as a listener. So once again, thanks for being here. If you keep racing, we'll keep talking. Be safe.